0: This is uh, Dr. George, Citizens Gone Wild, and I wanted to talk today about what I worry about when I worry about Biden becoming president. I am already worried about what happens if uh, Trump becomes president. Oh yeah, he is. But um, today I wanted to talk about what I worry about about Biden becoming president, what life will be like. Actually, none of us have any clear idea, but still, it's fun to speculate. I think we'll have a continuation and an increase in rule by a combination of intellectual elitists, basically professors at the Ivy League schools. And we'll also, this um, rule will be um, half and half, it'll be half the intellectual elitists, and the other half will be these incredibly rich people, richer even than you and I. And uh, this um, this will be possible once he gets into office. We will live in the first era in humankind that I know of where intellectuals basically rule. Intellectuals are people who produce nothing but words. Words and more words, but words are powerful, very powerful. There's a reason they say in the beginning was the word. The intellectuals make most of the rules as long as they leave the oligarchs alone who seem to be consumed with making more money and more money and more money. Even more money than you and I have. It is the intellectuals who will be the high priests of this new religion. They create the worldview that now dominates a good deal of the world. And the worldview means basically they'll decide who are the bad guys, who are the good guys, and what sort of policies we should have. A while back, It was thought by many that the good guys are Western civilization. I mean, they came up with all of these ideas about democracy and rights. And that uh, the white people who were prominent in the West weren't particularly evil. This has changed. And now it looks as if the West in general, the United States in particular, because we're kind of the leader of the band here, uh, are viewed as um, uh, the bad folks. And among those folks, the men folks are not viewed as well as they used to be either. This trend will just continue, I think. In addition, uh, the intellectuals have a distaste for Western civilization in general, and the United States and Israel in particular. I understand why they have a distaste for um, the United States. The United States, in effect, is its competition is the leader of the West and is the most powerful nation in the world. Why they have the deep deep distaste for Israel is a little harder to figure out, and we'll try and figure that out as we go along. I know I will. Um, One of the reasons is that the United States and Israel, in effect, have a different religion. They have a different God. They have a different... Godhead, perhaps. Uh, the, the Jews in Israel, of course, have Judaism, um, although there are Muslims and Christians living there as well. And the United States is has Christianity, Judaism, and, though it also has some other religions as well. Uh, but the God of the uh, politically correct is a jealous God and will have no other gods before it. The main belief of the new class, which is another name that this new group of intellectuals has been called, the main belief of the new class is faith in themselves. Other people are feel humble, uh, certainly compared with God. But if you feel that you, in effect, are part of the Godhead, I guess you don't see you feel that humble anymore. They believe that they are morally and intellectually superior to the average person. Uh, they believe that the proof lies in the fact that they went to an Ivy League or an Ivy League-like school. Uh, the conversion of society uh, into their religion requires, unfortunately for us, never-ending instruction. And so it will be a kind of a version of what happened in the Soviet Union or in uh, Cambodia or in China where they had endless classes, endless meetings, endless parades, where you were instructed in what was right and what was wrong. Another thing that will happen is there is a never ending battle in all governments. The question of um, liberty and equality are always an uneasy balance. I think the balance will definitely shift toward equality which is not necessarily terrible. It will mean more good things for poor people uh, and perhaps the lower middle class. Um, The the battle between liberty and equality is not going to end during my lifetime, that's for sure. But I do think it will shift toward equality in a way from liberty. And you can already see this happening on college campuses where Uh, liberty is easily shut down. They believe the um, new class believes that before they came along, uh, people saw through the glass darkly. But now as the Bible says, once the people are saved and the uh, ruling class gets more and more power, the people will be saved. They will see the world more clearly and they will more readily accede to the rule of the right-thinking intellectuals, mainly professors. Indeed, if you want to see what the world would be like under rule by intellectuals, go to most any college campus nowadays, and you can see how a world ruled by rather short fascists will look like. And what you will see is not that much free speech anymore, certainly not in the public areas of the colleges and universities. And you will find the professors who disagree with the ruling class being a little more circumspect and worried about what will happen if they say A instead of B or B instead of C. You can get a little bit of that experience, the lack of freedom of thought. And also the endless bullying. For the endless bullying, I think you might want to look on Twitter, uh, maybe Facebook, uh, where people basically bully people sometimes so hard that they commit suicide, but often hard enough to get them to reverse course and apologize which they're uh, for saying what they just said five minutes ago. It's kind of ugly. Bullying usually is ugly. Um, depending on your major on a college campus, you can have greater, deeper experience of this bullying. In um, places like political science and history, they're still reasonably clean. People watch what they say, but they also tell you what is on their mind, the professors, that is. In other majors, there's probably a a lot more um, demand for dogmatic views that they'd be taken seriously. Under Biden, we will feel less democracy more rule by judges and bureaucrats this bugs me personally i don't know if it'll bug you or not but um if you take a look around at the major decisions that have been made in recent years you'll find more and more of the major decisions that affect you especially if you're in the middle class directly were made by bureaucrats and judges is there anything wrong with that Mm, probably not a lot of the better decisions that have been made For example, equality for homosexuals were basically made by the courts. But uh, they make more decisions than that. Um, You may have wondered why in this country there is endless turmoil about the question of abortion, but not in Europe. Why not? And the reason I think this has occurred in such a manner is that in Europe, Abortion was dealt with by the legislative branch of government, that is, the people's branch of government. They had input, some won, some lost, but people are reconciled to it because it's, in effect, the voice of the people. In this country, abortion was made entirely by the voice of judges. And people who were greatly agitated by the question of abortion they didn't think that was right. We're going to see more and more situations where the voice of the people is kind of dissolved and the voice of judges or bureaucrats uh, make decisions. By the way, do there any of you know the name of one federal bureaucrat, just one? I would guess there's probably one named Bob. But other than that, I don't know. I don't know the names of a single bureaucrat, and yet they make a lot of rules. And the judges, uh, well, I do know the name of some of them, but um, there will be more and more rules by judges, by bureaucrats. Um, New New Jersey's a perfect example, by the way. In New Jersey, judges decided, using three words from the state constitution, that uh, the hundred poorest school districts should receive as much money per student as the hundred richest school districts. Now, maybe that's a good idea, maybe it's not, but um, there seems something a little strange about the fact that the middle class is the group that's in a sense being drowned by this decision. Since the money that goes to the, federal, to the state government now goes directly to the poorest school districts, what do the middle class districts have to do? What do the middle class people have to do? They basically have to raise their taxes to make up for the money that they had sent to the state government, but that money is now being sent to the poorest districts. It also means that a lot of the people who are getting extra money spent on them, so to speak, are recent immigrants. And this may seem a little strange, uh, and it may even sound slightly racist, sexist, ageist, something. But still, it seems a little strange that the people who just got here should have more money spent on their children than the people who created the wealth, which was one of the main reasons why the people from other countries wanted to come here to begin with. Um, There will be a certain hostility to the idea that most people, if left alone, will do a tolerably good job of guiding their own boat by their own lights. The middle class was thought to be an independent group it for In years past, before the last, I don't know, 50 years, there was constant lauding, praising of the middle class. They were thought to be the best of the best. And when I was teaching, I taught that basically to have a democracy that's stable, you need a middle class. They were thought to be the winners. They were thought to be the stalwarts, the supporters of democracy and the good life. But uh, nowadays, there's more hostility to middle class. In the 60s, there was hostility because apparently we didn't assume enough interesting sexual uh, poses while having sex. Um, But now it's spread uh, we're not only considered dull and uninteresting, but we're considered obstacles to an ideal society. There's also going to be increasing hostility to Jews. It's interesting. That the most hostile places to Jews are now college campuses. College campuses are the only place in America where you can have this public displays of people demanding genocide be committed against Jews. For example, there's a saying that the, uh, it's kind of a combination of Muslims and leftists have, and they say, well, uh, from the river to the sea palestine will be the river they're referring to is the jordan the sea is the mediterranean and in between there are a lot of dead jews people on college campuses don't hesitate to demand genocide against jews that's a thing that I'm going to keep coming back to because I'm interested in that because I'm a jew um, there's also a lot of hostility to Israel. Now, part of that is, of course, Jews are the main religion there. And uh, Jews look kind of uppity. It kind of reminds people of the time when blacks in America started to do better. And you would hear all these stories about, true stories, about how blacks in fancy new cars, which at that time meant a Cadillac, uh, were being stopped by the police all the time. Why? It drove some policemen crazy that these people who had to step out of the way when the policemen came down the block are driving a better car than the policemen have, and they seem to be enjoying it as well. Uh, there is also a hostility to Israel, which I've noticed amongst some college kids, usually leftists or Muslims, and that is these people who used to literally have to step aside or be in big trouble. These people who would be taxed so heavily that they'd have to sell one child so that the other children will not be taken in slavery as well. These people who used to be pushed around at will, <coughs> these people who had no military background whatsoever, seemed to beat the poop out of the uh, their enemies on a regular basis. In fact, they win and they win and they win. Good thing too, if they lost one time, they disappear. So you have a certain hostility to Israel for a number of reasons. Uh, again, I'd like to talk more about this. Um, but even more amazing, there's nothing done to stop anti-Semitism, hatred of Jews, hatred of Israel in college camps, except, except, Under Donald Trump and only under Donald Trump, the Department of Education Civil Rights Division has started to crack down and put some pressure on colleges to be not quite so hostile to Jews in Israel. They have sent people around to different college campuses. They're currently investigating Rutgers uh, that have a record that looks like there might be some anti-Semitism, a lot of hatred there. And so they're looking into it and they've already settled with a number of colleges and universities that have promised to cut back on this public hatred of Jews and of Israel. We'll see what will happen. But if you see some Jews who are going to go to the right, which is unusual for Jews, this might well be the reason. Uh, To a large degree, our rule will be not just by intellectuals, but by specific intellectuals. If you don't go to an Ivy League school, it will be very, very hard to be part of the new godhead. You might get in, or they might allow you to speak, or they might applaud you. But if you didn't go to an Ivy League school, the chance of you getting a permanent high position in this God hierarchy is limited. I think we may also continue with a rather dumb foreign policy. Uh, It is my opinion uh, that we haven't had a smart foreign policy since the Korean War. I think that war was justified to stop communism from moving forward. A lot of people back then had the memory of not standing up soon enough against Hitler So they responded uh, reasonably well when Truman ordered our troops to defend South Korea. uh, Not that well. I mean, Truman was not popular. Nowadays, everyone says they want to be like Truman, but back when Truman was Truman, not that many spoke up on his behalf. Um, So I think our foreign policy was pretty darn good up to a little bit after World War II. And then it went dumb. It didn't just go dumb. It went intensely dumb. It went into Vietnam. uh, I'm a veteran. Um, And uh, after losing, I don't know, 60 plus thousand men dead, 10,000 on arms, legs, eyes, paralyzed. God knows how many tens of thousands of people are never going to have a good night's sleep for the rest of their lives. Uh, we left. And uh, shortly after we left, the, uh, our enemy took over. But here in another twist, we're now allies with our enemy. And they make stuff, for clothing, a lot of clothing that you can see if you go to a local Macy's. Um, we have had, in my opinion, one idiotic disastrous war after another, again resulting in men without arms and legs, dead men, dead women too tripled women. We went into Iraq, we went into Afghanistan 20 years ago. We are still there. Iraq is doing sort of reasonably well. Afghanistan is not doing well at all. Everyone's expert guess is that if we left the Taliban, the group we came there to to defend—I mean, to beat—to beat the hell out of—would uh, win over again. The Taliban are a miserable bunch of jackasses. I mean, they're they're just miserable bastards. But um, they might well win if when we get out. That's after 20 years of an effort and. Uh, one estimate is that we start spending about $60 billion a year there as well. I think we should enter wars where we can spend like $15 billion to lose. Uh, you know, $60 billion to lose after 20 years seems like a high price to pay. And we have Iran. I think that will, I think, um, I, I think Biden is not a strong person. And I think he will go along with, getting on good terms with Iran so they can get, well, that's not the reason he'll get, but we're gonna get on better terms with Iran. We'll get back into the agreement we signed with them, which basically allowed them after a period of time to um, get back making atomic weapons. I doubt if we'll do anything serious to stop them. We apparently forgot that atomic weapons are delivered in missiles nowadays and we've allowed them to make more missiles, although Trump has fought against that. And Trump has tried to lean hard on Iran. Iran is on the economic ropes. They might have been collapsed. People are hungry. People in the countryside, where the greatest supporter of the Ayatollah live, are not a supportive anymore. And they've had riots, they've had to bring in troops. The place might collapse, but it will not collapse if Biden gets in, because Biden will stop pressuring them, make some sort of a deal that we get get out of there. And the European countries will not be pressured to put pressure on Iran. At the moment, they're looking for ways to keep doing business with Iran. I think we're gonna have an end to meaningful national elections in the sense that because of the continuous high immigration of a particular identifiable group, Hispanics, Um, and we're talking millions and millions and millions of people, uh, that there will be the end of national elections that have any meaning. It will be totally impossible for the Republicans to win national elections again. And the reason is so many people have come into the country who as immigrants, often do, will side with the, the party of more government. That, that, that kind of makes sense for immigrants. In addition, uh, Trump has been demonized as a racist. And so I think that the overwhelming number of Hispanics, if not today, then by tomorrow, uh, will be voting for the Democrats day after day, year after year, decade after decade. Uh, some people thought we were doing okay with the previous citizenry, but there were changes made by basically by Senator Kennedy of Massachusetts, and um, uh, people were allowed to come in who might not other otherwise have been allowed to come in. Now the old law was somewhat racist, but what we have now is a situation where we have millions upon millions. The lowest number I've ever seen is 11 million people who are in the country illegally. I think Biden will let them in. I think Biden will definitely let them in. Um, and that is, he will make them into citizens. And don't forget, if, it, if the lowest number is 11 million. If each one of those 11 million invites in, let's say their mother, but not their father, that's 22 million. If they invite in their mother and father, that's 33 million. That's a substantial number. And actually, they can let in lots of people. The way the uh, immigration law is written, we let in those who are already related to someone who is here. Um, I think that I will end the Republican Party for any meaningful purpose at a national level here. There are also going to be some good things. Uh, one good thing is better health care for poor people and for working class people and for lower middle class people. I think they will get more extensive services, better quality care. For the rest of us, middle class people who have been just living in the lap of medical luxury, I think those days will end. We don't have the resources to continue to do that. So I think people in middle class will have to wait a while before they get an x-ray, wait a while before an operation is done, wait a while before they uh, see their uh, family doctor. I think another thing that's already uh, taking shape and solidifying is that there will be the permanent tribalization of America, that is identity politics will dominate our world. For a while, uh, when I was growing up, the idea was no, we were a melting pot and what we would do is take everyone, regardless of race, green, color, and make them into one category. There was one tribe and that was citizen. I'm not saying it was done perfectly, obviously it was not, but that was the goal. But now that is not the goal. The goal is no longer to melt people into Americans. Period. Now the goal is to emphasize your identity. If you apply to a college now, there's a place where you have to check off which group you're in, and it's voluntary. But if you say vol, but if you don't fill it out, they assume you're white. Um, I don't know if this is a good idea. I tend to doubt it. I tend to doubt it. If you want to see chaos, if you want to see blood up to your eyeballs, go to a place like the Balkans, uh, which have endless bloodshed and have divided themselves up into all sorts of little groups, and they kill each other on a regular basis. I think there'll be a permanent attack on the white middle class. Uh, I mentioned that before, but I I think this will be done little by little by little. It'll barely be noticed. Uh, but there will be a permanent attack on the white middle class. And if your child wants to go to college, it will be a mark against them to the white middle class. The favors done, the affirmative action done, has to come out of somebody's hide. There's only so many seats. If the white middle class guy sits here, then the black or Hispanic or whatever group can't sit there as well Asians are already running into this problem uh, when they apply they're very good students you know, a lot of the Asians and when they applied like to the, the Ivy League schools the, the, the seat that is given up by someone who performs well in school, an Asian a Jew, whatever has to come from somewhere if it's going to go to somewhere and the people coming in will they might demand actually the hispanics aren't very aggressive on this but people who say they're speaking on behalf of hispanics will take a seat from someone who performs well let's say an Asian, uh jew um whatever it might be and they'll hand it to the hispanic the hispanics didn't come here for affirmative action the the hispanics came here to work, work, take a brief break, work, work, take a brief break, work, work, and work. The Hispanics are the hardest working people since the pilgrims, I think. Um, there will be rising taxes for the middle class. How can that be? People will say, we'll just tax the rich. Well, you know, there are a lot of rich people. I'm not one of them, so I don't care. But there are limits on them. Now, people say, what about Bill Gates? I just happened to do a little calculation here. And it turns out, you're right, Bill Gates is wealthy. He's now worth about $100 billion. And um, the thing is, the federal government spends about $18 billion a day. <sighs> Boy, you'd think there would be no one who's poor when they're spending $18 billion a day. Anyway, so what does that mean? Maybe... Six days? In other words, if you took all of Bill Gates' money, and I, he might object. If you took all of his money, you could fund the federal government for what, six days? You can figure it differently. The stock market goes up and down five days, seven days, eight days, whatever it is. And don't forget, if you take all his money, he's going to be very angry. And he may stop making more money because there's no point to it. I think we'll see but rather permanently politics as a religion. And I think we'll see a number of things, but I think we'll stop right there. And um, I wanted to tell you, Ming, is this all right? Can I give out your phone number or not? Uh, oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Do you have it there? Uh, 22 uh, Absolutely, you can. All right. I wanted to leave you a phone number if you wanted to get in touch. The number is 732- eight seven six three three six seven if you're like most americans you do not have a pen and paper near you so i'll repeat that next time as well the number in case you're one of those lucky few that have a pen and piece of paper or can use their cell phone quickly the number is seven three two eight seven six three three six seven and by the way this is the home of the friendliest most competent podcasting studio that you will find in the greater metropolitan area. I hope to talk to you again and have another release on uh, Monday, next Monday. If you have anything to say, get in touch. I have relatives who get in touch every time I make a mistake. You, You can call up and say something nice if you like. Thank you.